Are beavers really worth a damn? These furry agents of change create and maintain essential wetlands. No one's going to argue that they improve their environment for the better, but I'm starting to think that they change the lives of the people who work with them as well. Let me show you what I mean. So I'm on the line now with Michael Callahan of Beaver Solutions in Massachusetts. Mike, are you there for our listeners? Yes, I'm here. Okay, great. Can you explain what it is Beaver Solutions uh, does? Sure. Um, Beaver Solutions, uh, the the mission of Beaver Solutions is to uh, promote coexistence with beavers, and we do that primarily through um, the utilization of what are called flow devices, um, which help resolve flooding problems that beavers may cause for people, but allow the beavers to remain in the environment doing what they do. Right. And how long have you been doing that? Um, well, I started as, on a volunteer basis back in 1998 and um, started as a part-time business um, in 2000. Wow, and and you didn't come to the world as a beaver management person, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, in fact, when I started doing this with my wife, neither of us had any background in beavers. Um, basically, uh, how we got into it was uh, in 1996 in Massachusetts, the voters passed a referendum which restricted the types of traps that could be used, uh-huh. and that caused a uh, firestorm of uh, political uh, issues and news stories and it seemed like in 1998 uh, by 1998 all we were hearing are these articles in the paper and TV about how uh, pitting homeowners who were having flooding problems against the people that liked the beavers and wanted to stay and uh, we thought there must be some kind of middle ground um, and fortunately, the uh, the Massachusetts Society for Prevention of Cruelty Animals and the Humane Society of the United States sponsored a workshop here in Massachusetts mm-hmm. that um, promoted some non-lethal methods to deal with beaver problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the primary speakers was Skip Lyle, who had done a lot of work with the Penobscot Indians up in Maine, and... Um, Ruth went to the workshop. Um, I had to stay home because we had a bed and breakfast at the time. And um, she came back with all this information. We went over it, and we decided to start our own volunteer group to try to use some of these techniques in our area. And uh, it uh, it worked out very well. Um, You know, we learned as we went. It was kind of research and development, trying different things, and uh, we uh, at one point had uh, over 50 people that had volunteered with us at various points, and in a year and a half, we put in about 40-something flow devices, So, but all our free time was being used doing that, and our volunteers were getting burnt out because we were doing it every weekend, but I... I loved it, um, and as did my wife Ruth. And we uh, so we decided that I'd 
start uh, as a part-time business, both both to be able to do more of it and also to try to create a model that maybe could be replicated elsewhere. Yeah. And uh, and since 2000, it's just kind of grown so that uh, you know I've been doing it full time for quite a while now. Wow. And, uh, it's been uh, really rewarding. I feel very fortunate. I should add that um, you know. I just do the flow devices. My wife actually does some trapping because the flow devices, in my experience, don't work everywhere. They work in the majority of places, but, you know, they both, you know, um, are useful. Um, but it's always better to be able to keep the beavers there, so that's what we try to do. You know, you didn't mention any career before um, the bed and breakfast, but oh, do you I want to say anything about your really? trading? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I did have a career before this. Um, yeah, I'm a licensed physician assistant, and I had worked in clinics and hospitals and emergency rooms over for about 20 years prior yeah. to doing this. And, uh, you know, it that that's, uh, you know, rewarding work, but uh, it's real nice to work for myself and be outside, you know. Yeah. I just got tired of... Uh, being inside in clinics, I love being outside. It's very, uh, it recharges me tremendously yeah. to be outdoors and, uh, you know, working for myself and, you know, healthcare has its own issues. So, yeah. you know, I've never looked back. It's been <laughs> uh, a nice change. Tell me what you think would be good for someone to do if they were wishing they could do what you do. Like, how, uh, what background should they have? What training should they have? Well, fortunately, as far as Installing flow devices, there's no, um, you know, like school per se institution to go to to learn that. Um, But there are certainly uh, very good ways to learn. And one is, uh, you know, to use me as a resource because I'm very eager to, you know, have people be doing this across, you know, the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. And to date, you know, I have... uh, you know, been uh, helping some people do it, and other people have put in float, successful flow devices. Uh, okay. There's a uh, DVD. The goal of this DVD is to teach you how to build and install successful water control devices to resolve nearly any beaver-related flooding problem. Um, I made a little over a year on ago. Eleven that, plus years uh, of experience. Thanks to uh, over a grant from the uh, Animal Welfare Institute, and that has gotten very good reviews as far as teaching people step-by-step step just uh-huh. what to do, how to build the um, various types of flow devices for different situations, the tools and materials that are needed. And um, and there's also on Facebook a beaver management forum that people can uh, write in questions and get uh, people like myself, yourself, others to uh, give their expertise and yeah. experiences and help people on the way. So there's a lot of supports and certainly a lot more than when I started. But yeah. um, nevertheless, you know, I was fortunate for to have some good teachers about, you know, what they have done in float with flow devices. And, you know, it's just a matter of passing along. And right. the more people that do this, the better we'll all be. Yeah. What is the best part of your work? What do you really like? For me, what really hooked me and continues to uh, um, keep me going and keep, make it feel very rewarding is 
the feeling I get when um, I'm able to do something that will help uh, solve serious problems for people or towns or businesses, um, but find that balance to be able to keep the beavers there. And uh, because what I didn't know until I started learning about it, how valuable beavers are for the health of our uh, ecosystems and biodiversity, all sorts of benefits they bring. So uh, I find it really rewarding to be able to have beavers stay uh-huh. um, and do what they do, but prevent the problems that sometimes can arise from right. their dams. Right. What do you feel like people don't get about what you do? What do you wish they knew? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. I guess... Uh, my my biggest wish would that would be that people understood the importance of coexisting with beavers. Uh-huh. I mean, most people hear just the negative sides when uh, people or roads are getting flooded, and they think, "Oh, they're rodents, and they're you know just get rid of them," and they don't understand the uh, their importance. Right. And uh, if that awareness was higher. I think uh, we would see a great transformation in how beavers are managed on the landscape, and yeah. we'd all benefit from it. Yeah. Uh, do you, Do you remember the first time you saw a beaver? I don't know. Um, I th- I can. I guess I remember the first time I was really up close to a beaver was. Yeah. Back in uh, 1999, because I usually don't see beavers, because I'm uh-huh, working during you're... the day, they're sleeping, yeah. and they're working at night when I'm sleeping. So yeah. uh, we don't, you don't usually cross paths, even though I'm in beaver ponds every day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in 1999, um, early in my volunteer work, I was in chest waders in the beaver pond. Um, so the water was almost, uh, you know, up to my chest, uh-huh. and I was pulling apart a beaver dam to be able to put a pipe through it. Uh-huh. And a beaver was started swimming past me, huh. probably about oh no more than four feet away. Wow! And slapping its tail, and uh, you know I knew that uh, the slapping of the tail wasn't. It was just like a warning. Um, trying to either scare me away or warn yeah. the other beavers that there was maybe trouble. But yeah. then the beaver dove underwater. Uh-huh. You no, know, I knew that, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're not aggressive animals. <laughs> you know, still not being able to see it and being in that deep water was like, because <laughs> I, I knew the whole thing. Little and, Jaws uh, music in the I background. Now I bother, but yeah. I worry. But oh. uh, then I was a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I certainly went into this with no, you know, my wife and I would go camping and we liked the outdoors, but we didn't know anything really about right. beavers. Or, uh, and she is an RN, um, and we both keep up our licenses just in case, you know, someday we need to. But um, neither of us uh, really uh, see anything in the future other than doing it. I think it would be really great for us to have some West Coast people doing what you're doing. So yeah. anyway, I, I am so grateful for Utah Agents of Change, and I really appreciate 
the effort you have made on behalf of beavers and continue to make. Yeah, right. I feel uh, completely blessed. You know, this just kind of happened. You don't plan these things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to uh, look back at, you know, after a little more than a decade and know that, you know, there are 800 spots out there that have flow devices where the beavers <laughs> would have been trapped. Um, it feels good. Said that time.